Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Foundation by Story Archives. I am your host, Mario Busto, alongside... Zachary Newton. You're the host. Welcome back. Zach, how you doing on this fine morning? This fine Florida morning. Yeah, this <laughs> this morning. Uh, no, I'm doing great. I got my cup of coffee here, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm enjoying that. How about yourself? It's been a while since we've done a, done a morning pod. Yeah, I mean, it got a little um, late yesterday. <clears throat> So rather than doing the pod uh, zapped of energy, decide, you know, let's just do it in the morning. Fresh mind. With some coffee. Get it going. Well, we're covering season one, episode 10 of The Foundation. Our season one coverage finally coming to an end here with episode 10 titled The Leap. I think we know The Leap, what it's referring to in in several instances in this episode, but Mm. we'll get to all of that good stuff because it felt like episode 10 to me was just a giant resolution episode most of the conflict has been settled um and this is just really setting the not the tone but it's setting the stage for what is to come in season two because we leave each character in a very interesting place um in ways that i did not remember at all i know i keep saying this but i did not remember several (laughs) things i did not remember Demerzel snapping Don's neck. I did not remember uh, Harry literally laying out an entire plan. I did not remember how they were going to, um, what is the word I'm looking for? How they were going to pretty much solve for the whole 138 year sleep transit time that Gale yeah. uh, was going to under undergo. I didn't remember a lot. Uh, I don't know if you had a similar experience. I did. I I did remember Don dying but i did not remember how uh until she snapped his poor little neck um but yeah we we got a lot of resolution in this so we see the thespians and the anacreons are now coming together with the the pop or remaining population of uh terminus which uh you know i think they would probably harbor some ill will towards the uh anacreons but i guess uh, i guess things change pretty quickly can I say something if I was the director of this episode that I would have changed in it? And it's something that just occurred to me now, but <clears throat> I think when you open up a season, like your, your season one should always end with, especially like an epic like this, there should be something like really mind-blowing that you end the season with. Personally speaking, I think it would have been a better ending if they didn't end it with Salvor and Gale meeting. I mm. think it would have been a better ending with Emperor Day smashing the case of Cleon the First. Like, I thought that would have been a more compelling ending of like him snapping, like him walking up, like hearing the news and going straight to the Principium and bashing this damn thing in. Right after we see that haunting image of Demerzel ripping her face off, like, and screaming. Oh, Oh, that that horrified (laughs) me. That was terrifying. I woke up in a cold sweat. (laughs) Uh, I did. I did too. But uh, yeah, no, that was it. Was a very terrifying scene. I I did like the bashing in of the uh, Principian. Is that what it's called? I think so. Yes, Sorry, it is. I got you off guard there. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I liked that. I, I did think that we needed a little. It would have been too abrupt if it just ended right on that. But it is an interesting uh, cliff to be left standing on. Yeah, agreed. Well, let's get into the episode recap, our final one for season one. 
as we look forward to season two premiering this Friday, we have uh, episode one and two launching this Friday, so you can expect our instant reaction and deep dive coverage. And also be on the lookout for some of our other coverage. We're continuing our Black Mirror season six with episode three coming soon-ish, probably next week or the following. And then we'll also be doing some hijack, which I'm behind on because an episode launched yesterday. Ooh, I have not seen the latest episode yet. I forgot it came out earlier in the week. I might let like two pass. I might like, I might let this one sit a bit. I'm really hooked on the bear. I, did I mention the bear in the last episode? You did mention the bear, yeah. <clears throat> I'm very hooked. I want to finish season two already. Um, I've been somewhat spoiled by someone who I will not mention their name here because was not to, not to not incriminate them. However, <laughs> <clears throat> greatest show I've I've watched in a long time. So let's get into the recap here. We glossed over a part here in the beginning, which is very interesting, and it makes a lot of sense here. I don't know at what point in the timeline it's occurring, but we open the episode with, once again, another Gale narration, a monologue, so to speak, about sleeping and how it's a leap of faith and how our souls wander when we dream, or so her mother told her. But we see more interesting than that. We see Harry's casket leaving the ship, which I mentioned in the last episode, something about Harry's casket. We never really saw it. We never saw his body, right? And in this episode, we open up with... um, an answered question, so to speak, right? Where it's floating through space. It's leaving the ship that... It's either leaving the the foundation ship or it's leaving the ship that we saw Gale on. I think it's the one we saw Gale on. Um, Yes. Because of the giant star that's in front of him is the reason I I think that. And then it disintegrates into a million pieces, pretty much, which we come to find out. And I don't know... Harry does say that the vault essentially is his body. It is pretty much his casket. It's... it's Mm -hmm. Was was reforming his consciousness. So, in my thought process, I still feel that it had something to do with. Um, do you remember the beam that shoots out of the vault in episode nine when it opens yeah. up? I think that was sort of like an uplink, you know, like or a download, you know, bringing in whatever was missing. Like that was the activation of it, right? Because he mentions how he got here. He says the the Anacreans set off the null field. Like the null field was just a defense system to protect him, right? And the mm-hmm. vault was there to pretty much reform his consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be some sort of upload download link. But the one thing that I noticed in this episode it, with, with Harry specifically, I was asking myself, is is he like somehow reincarnated and real? We find out that he is not. He's kind of like a ghost, a hologram. But um, the the comment or note that I wrote down was something along the lines of, you know, he's, you know, either not data, right? Like the other thing that we saw on the ship was, or they're just not connected because he seemed to have no awareness that Gale would not be here. Or he was he full of crap? Notice it. Or was he full of crap? Did you? Because I I got that too, where he mentions where's Gale? Where's Gale? Because Gale was supposed to be the one who opens the vault. That's the reason mm-hmm. I think he asked that question. Mm-hmm. However, to your point, it does raise the question: Does he know what occurred on the ship? Because he should have known that he already saw Gale, yeah. unless this timeline is split and these are like two different Harrys, which puts him in the clone category. It kind of does. I kind of feel like 
it is two different Harrys. And I don't know, maybe there's like some element of protection for the, the second foundation by him not being aware of how it's progressing and what's going on and, you know, when it got started and all of that stuff. So I could see there being two different like timelines of this Harry hologram. Yeah. Well, he gets, we get a continuation of what happens in the previous episode because part of his plan, it seems, is to unite the Anacreans and Thespians back together and to bring Terminus back into that fold as well, into that fold as well, so that they can create like a three planet alliance that forms um, an opposition to the Empire. Now, I had some stuff here that I wanted to mention, and you can pause here on, on the scene we're on there. I wanted to mention something because we get this whole diatribe about how history is written by the victor and mm-hmm. that yada, 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 you know, whoever wins gets to, to shape the narrative of history. Yeah. Are we to believe that Harry can just walk down from this vault and say one thing? He can just dispute with no evidence, Okay. Because he mentions the the inciting incident between the Anacreans and the Thespians was the first betrayal, where the king mm-hmm. of Thespian married the grand huntress of Anacreon and killed her, or something like that. That's pretty yeah. much the TLD. Slit her throat. Yeah, yeah, slit her throat. Then Harry comes in with facts nobody's heard before, and says, "Hey, he he what he, he didn't kill her. It was actually Cleon the Second who killed her, who saw the opportunity to use this." To frame the Thespian king and to forever unite you guys through division or and to unify the empire through your division. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, you know, divide and conquer, so to speak, right? Let you guys yeah. worry about the stupid rivalry you have going on, which makes sense in theory. It's not like super far-fetched. I believe it, actually, to be honest with you. However, it makes you wonder, you know, would they just all of a sudden listen to this guy out of nowhere and go along with this plan? Yeah, I mean, he does seem kind of prophetic at times, so maybe they maybe they want to believe, they want something to believe in, right? I mean, I think their their worlds have already been destroyed so much. They they've all but, you know, at this point come to what seems like a truce on Terminus. So maybe it's not that far of a stretch, but I mean, if it's if it's something you've never heard before, I'd be like, all right, can you give me like a history book or something? Like, let me just cross reference this with some other source to make sure you're not hey, Harry, can bullshitting. We, can me. we fact check this? I mean, I mean, we like you, Harry. We just we just got to check, you know, trust, <laughs> trust, but verify, you know, before we take up arms against the empire here. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a death wish, honestly. To be honest, it all felt so convenient that he wanted the Anacreans and Thespians to unite that. It made me wonder, and I don't think that this is too far of a stretch, considering Harry apparently had time to set up all of these um, contingency plans with the vault and with the pill he swallowed that broke down his body into a million submolecular levels that, I don't know, made him this transcendent being that Mm -hmm. could travel space. Um, It's pretty impressive. Yeah. I like it. Did he test this? Like, how did he test this? Because, I mean, imagine it fails and your whole foundation goes to crap. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine you just spend a lot of money and hope it works out, right? He's loaded. Does he have a backer? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's got like money from all of his supporters or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, it did bring to mind a theory of mine. If he had time to do all of that, 
Don't you think it's a little convenient that the star bridge falls on the day he goes to be brought before the emperor? Isn't it also a little convenient that there was an Anacreon and a Thespin who both carried out the crime on the day that Harry's brought before the king? Could it be that Harry is the one who did the, who's undermining the empire? Could it be that he's the one who found a way to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Destabilize the, I guess, the source material of Cleon the first, you know, is it possible that he is the mastermind behind the whole freaking attack on Trantor with the Starbridge falling that sets off the foundation? I mean, I could see it being plausible. I I had written a note down during this episode, uh, just kind of stating that, you know, Harry's clearly leading the chart. Like, Harry is the one that's creating this fall of the Empire that, that originates on the, the outside of the galaxy or you know outskirts of the galaxy right like yeah. this is this isn't like what what we were led to believe earlier which was the anacreans just coming in and i guess attacking uh trantor with this uh invictus ship no it's it's harry there's a lot of unanswered questions and my theory of harry being a monster is just slowly developing <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, I mean, I, I guess you got to be a monster to take on a monster are, like the Empire. Are we the faces of the anti-Harry Seldon fan club or is it just, am I alone here? Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, Harry's been growing on me, like I mentioned earlier in the season, though I do agree with some of your perspectives on him. It's hard to not like the actor. It's hard to not like what I'm seeing there. Harry's like... The person that texts you, they're like, hey, uh, you want to come over? <clears throat> and you're like, yeah, sure. And then all of a sudden, you're on three or four different errands that you didn't know you were going to go on <laughs> in that day. Yeah. That you got reeled into something. Like, they don't tell you the full plan and then you, your, your day is gone. So, it's like that. But this time, the people he called for to come on over were taken across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And now, they pretty much have no choice but to follow his plan, but we'll get to exactly what his plan is in a moment. But let's talk about the situation going on Trantor. <clears throat> because we have, uh, and you got to share your screen again. Already on it. So, we have the situation going on where Dusk and Day are contemplating what to do with Don, who is defective. Mm-hmm. But it turns out he's not the only one who is defective at this point. We don't get that revelation till the end of the episode. <clears throat> and it turns out, I mean, I thought that this could have gone either way, right? You yeah. know, would Day come back? Would Day come back m- more hardened or would he come back softened by his experience on the Maiden? And it seems he's come back more introspective and, and softened from the Maiden because Don pleads with him of, you know, of, of having empathy and, you know, have you never felt the things I feel of wanting to leave this place, you know, of wanting to be different from not just a copy of someone else, you know, he says, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to call you father. I mean, now Don's doing a master class of trying to save his life here. I mean, he's, yeah. but I believe he's saying everything that is the truth here, you know, because that is the relationship that they have. It's, you know, father, son, Dusk is like the grandfather, you know, it's, mm-hmm. that is the relationship that goes on here. And I would have to imagine that this Emperor Day would be the first in his line to ever have to kill his son, right? So, yeah. that that must not feel good at all, right? Yeah. Um, and he's being pled with pretty much to 
you know, spare his life. And to be honest, I think at this point, Day might be a little more annoyed with Dusk than he is with Dawn. He does. I mean, he definitely gets way more annoyed with Dusk in this episode than he does with Dawn. I, I think we have seen him have a change of heart, which is, you know, nice. And, I, you know, it's is this... Um, position that he takes with Don that makes me think like maybe he does have a soul right like I don't yes. I don't know if I feel that the results of the last episode was that con- or two episodes ago was that conclusive right yeah and I don't know if I can just buy everything that the Terminator Demerzel says I mean just I just don't I've said it you know the last episode really humanizes day you know, when you see his experience, the way he treats the guy in the road, it's not. And the moment I say that, you know, we'll see the scene with Azura where he where he gives out a brand of justice <laughs> that is the most her like the most, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Powerful. He gives out the most horrific uh, sentencing to somebody that you could imagine. I mean, it is some deep justice right there, yeah. or w- retribution, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was, we'll get to that. It's actually like my favorite scene in the episode, but. Um, or one of them. <clears throat> There's a few good ones in here. Back on Terminus, Harry gives his plan uh, to the people who are uh, taking this a little bit too easily. Uh, seeing Harry here, nobody's asking like enough questions here of Harry, in my opinion. Well, the kids uh, do. They ask like one important one: Are you a ghost? How far can this Harry hologram walk away from the vault? So that I don't know. Um, you would think that he would be tied to the vault Mm -hmm. i mean unless you've taken the form of like some sort of robot or something Mm -hmm. beyond that i don't know i I, i'm surprised he can get this far to be honest like i can i the ship was easier for me to like i guess buy or understand just like him being able to go anywhere on the ship but not quite sure how this hologram ghost technology thing works it's interesting though yeah well harry runs us through the fact that <clears throat> he apparently knew the Invictus would be here because he has a modeling system where he's able to run the Invictus in the system and see like if it checks out against his psychohistory theories. And we keep on getting people, I think they're getting paid by the founders of psychohistory uh, who are saying, you know, you got to just believe the psychohistory. I'm like, okay, but what model is he going to be able to just run the Invictus in and say like, oh, it'll be there in, in 34 years, you know, like... Yeah, I mean that's that's the part that gets me. Like I was I was feeling better when I was thinking about this whole thing as, you know, like statistics and you know stuff like that, but if he was able to predict the Invictus being there, to me that goes, you know, to not being able to predict like the the single events of a of a or the events of a single human being, right? Like is that not the same? I don't I don't know how that would be like a mass event. Um, or that you could say like, hey, this thing that's clearly coming is something that we could use as a weapon versus it just being a pure threat to us. I'm not sure like how granular we get with that. And that, that's the part here that I, I think takes me out of the whole psychohistory thing again, just a little bit. Yeah. And now we got to deal with Harry forever because he's this quantum being. I mean, I don't even know how you destroy him at this point. Yeah. Like, just to get him to shut up. But uh i'm just kidding i'm really not anti-harry like this i'm at this point it's a shtick for the show but um nonetheless his plan involves the invictus and what he wants him to do is to pretty much fly it to the offside the like the other side of the planet so to speak mm-hmm. and to set off the quantum tech so that it sets off a flare large enough that it would look like 
Terminus and Akron and Thespin were all destroyed, or Thespis were all destroyed. Which is crazy. And it's it's and it's crazy to me to think that the Empire wouldn't investigate that shit. Like three planets got wiped out. You're not gonna go check out the aftermath, like <laughs> Hey, go make sure. It's the three planets, I mean, that you've got the most to do with. Two of them, which you yeah. almost completely destroyed yourself, and then the third, which is where your your foundation is. It's the only three you care about on this part of the galaxy. And you just and you're lost not gonna go, a ship. Yeah. And, you, yeah, and you're not going to go check it out. A ship that's been gone for 700 years. Well, well, uh, well that too, yes. But I, I was also talking about the fact that they lost that other ship that they sent here to investigate when the comms buoy wasn't working, remember? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. That is a solid point. So, so far, everyone, though, is in lockstep with this plan for the most part, even though Mary, uh, Salvor's mother, is pissed about this, you know, the fact that, like, I mean, Harry's getting off this vault and saying, essentially, hey, I lied about just about everything, okay? Mm -hmm. I lied about the reason we're out here. This is actually a revolution. Because the guy goes, what are you talking about, Harry? You said we're not revolutionaries. I'm like, yeah. I may have lied about that. <laughs> yeah, know. we need to go to Walmart too, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, hey, yeah, hey, Harry. Um, this isn't down the street, pal. Uh, this We literally <laughs> uprooted our whole lives for this. And then he walks off. I would have detained his... If he wasn't a hologram, I would have detained him. <laughs> I would have. You, you would have taken a Gale move and just tried to swing at him with, him. A, with a I chair tased, or something. <laughs> 100% I would have tased him. I would have said, explain yourself. None of this, none of this bullshit anymore. Because we're pulling off your plan while you go and play Tetris in your vault. Okay? Because whatever he's doing in there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And I guess the null field is gone now because he exists. And therefore, there's no need for the protective barrier. But now this vault is just there. And Harry's probably spying on everything, playing like a large game of civilization over the entire galaxy. Yeah. That's exactly what he's doing. 100%. Yeah. He's curating people, not information. I just call it Harry's cocoon at this point. Hmm. You know, if the first foundation is about curating people, do you think the second foundation is also about curating people or is that about curating technology uh, information? It seems like Helicon's going to be more advanced. Like whatever he has planned there is true is like the actual more important foundation. These people are just like, like what Mary says, you know, she's annoyed because they were given busy work. Yeah. Essentially, it was like you get the teacher who's just giving you stuff to color, you know, and that's mm -hmm. pretty much what's going on here for the most part. Um, <clears throat> and they're they're only given enough. They don't. They're never given the full plan, which I agree with Harry. By the way, like I don't think you could divulge the full plan to everybody. I just don't think everyone is capable of being able to both know the plan completely and to follow through on it. Like they can only just be given what they need to know right now, because he says. You know what you need to know for now. Yeah. So, you know, he is treating it like a god in a way, right? You know, where it's like you have just enough to have faith in the next part, but you got to just put one foot in front of the other to see the next part of the plan, <laughs> you know? And But even Harry, I mean, is not all-knowing because he doesn't know who Salvor is. He's not the source of Salvor's visions, as we find out. Yeah. And he couldn't predict her existence because without her existence, the whole ship sinks. That's as true. As Conor McGregor says. That's true. I was I was a little surprised that Harry wasn't more interested in these visions to be like, oh, well, if they're not coming from me, you know, like I would want to know where they're coming from. Is she being fed bad visions somehow by something or would you just assume that it's Gale at this point? 
I wonder, I, I have to assume that the Abraxas cube was given to them to open the vault whenever it was activated, right? Yeah. He knows that only a few people can open it. He sees Salvor Harden. He sees a last name um, or a girl that he doesn't, you know, necessarily know, mm -hmm. right? But I, I don't know if he knows her enough yet to just intuitively know that she's Gail's daughter. I don't, I don't think, think so. Harry's. I don't think Harry's the one orchestrating all the perfect serendipitous moments that are occurring, you know? For example, the fact that Salvor is in a pod in Synax at the end of this episode. Like, I don't think he was able to orchestrate that she should be in that pod on Synax. Like, how would Salvor know to put herself in a pod in indefinitely? Uh, she, she didn't, though, I don't think. Well, I mean, I guess she did, technically, but she uh, she crash-landed or something, so I guess... That's I, what I'm saying. Like, Harry's here. Have. I guess I'll just wait and hope for the best. I'll just sleep Harry, forever. Harry couldn't have predicted that. No. You know? No. But, I mean, if Gale stayed on the ship with Harry, I don't think... I mean, I guess Salvo would literally be stuck under the water for all eternity and, and not die, I guess. That sounds like hell to me. Like yeah. a nightmare. Yeah. Let's talk about the torture of Azura here, who has uh, become the face of this rebellious plan to undermine the Empire and is, gets the single-handed pleasure of getting the absolute in most insane level of uh, retribution delivered back <laughs> to her. Uh, they have managed to track down any person that would have a memory of her if she died. Yeah. Which equates to 1,551 people. Yep. Okay. Both family, distant relatives, uh, the guy she kissed, first kissed, the, you know, I'm forgetting all people the other ones she that he mentioned. With. People she worked with. Um, pretty much anyone who would be her legacy if she died. Yeah. And if she were to have one. And apparently the Empire has the technology to point a beam at their directed at their brain stems to end these people. Now, I don't know if he was lying. I don't know if when he puts his fingers up with the signal and he turns his hand and mm -hmm. says it's over. I don't know if he's full of crap because he could be. He could be completely lying. Yeah. Right? That tech level of technology is insane. It is. Plus, okay. plus to have it that quickly on over 1,500 people. Yeah. I don't think that she, first and foremost, she'd be able to fact check that. But it, let's say it is true. It's the harshest punishment you, I think you could ever imagine. And it, it, it's not only that she has to know that she is the result of these people dying. Mm -hmm. She's the reason they are dying. But also that she is going to be forced to stay alive, being fed intravenously through IV. Right? Through IV? Yeah. And shrouded the entire rest of her life like she's going to be forced to be i mean i'm sure they could keep her alive artificially for eternity pretty much if they wanted to you know and she's yeah. gonna have the worst existence of any character i can ever remember on a television show or in actual real history yeah <laughs> she she will never be remembered by anybody according to uh day here i did write the question asking if you thought it was true or you know a bluff of sorts my opinion is that it's not true. I think I think he was just telling like an elaborate story to get her feel this way and then just I mean, she's never gonna know the difference. She's not gonna she's never gonna know. That's for sure. Why go through all that work? 
but she can live with knowing it, right? It's yeah. like the same. So, you know. The most I thought it was powerful fair. fingers in the universe right there. Just I thought it was pretty <laughs> fair. Didn't you think it was about even? That was a bit harsh, man. <laughs> You're trying to bait me with that question. Jeez. I was. I was trying to bait you. I was yeah, I think it's you, totally man. fair. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I'm joking. I just did that to somebody last week. I was just like, yeah, just, you know, never going to yeah. have anybody You're remember your face ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad on Terminus that Salvor's mom is actually vocally annoyed with Harry. Although I wish he would have said something to his face. Mm-hmm. Um, although I guess that would have caused some sort of unrest amongst the people if she had confronted him. Yeah, I would imagine so. She she does seem annoyed, but not too annoyed. Maybe maybe that's just Salvor kind of talking her back into the plan. Believe. Well, if you're if you're logical, you know that you really have no choice but to follow this plan at this point. That is true, and as we know, based on the last episode, it's logical over emotion, right? Or, yep. Yeah, that's right. Logic over emotion. Well, Harry did rug everyone, though. Oh, did so, <laughs> Yes, he did. Quite while Mary's upset about that and the busy work that was left to them, Salvor's upset that she may not be special, that her visions may not be from Harry himself. Mm. And now she's left with the mystery of who these visions are from, which eventually leads her to ask the key question of the episode of, who is the girl from the water planet? Yeah. Which, I'm I'm guessing that little ghost that we saw running earlier on in the season was also gale like a younger version no, of gale it was, or was that rage okay it was rage so we've seen both of them i now. think i think we've seen both i think we saw both in the beginning because there was at times where i was like that a little boy or a little girl mm. at one point it was clear it was a little boy at one point it was clear it was a little girl this one is clear it's a little girl yeah and then it's very symbolic she dives into water and i guess salvor has some sort of means of understanding her visions are some sort of intuitive truth and so she's able to put together that the water represents that where she's from, I guess. Yeah. Uh, something key that happens here is an alliance is formed with Anacreon. It seems like the Anacreon Thespis um, alliance is budding, as well as with Terminus. And Salvor is given a gift from Rowan. It's actually the bow of Pharaohs. And um, it's a gift that was given to the Empire, I think he said, over a century ago or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is truly special. I mean, makes you wonder about what is Salvor's role going to be at the end of this show or at the end of the story of the Foundation, you know? She's going to be the general, you know, taking arms up against the Empire. Or she may be the new, like, Emperor. Who knows? Because, I mean, that gift was given to the Emperor, right? That's true. Now, um, there is some sort of mutual respect here between Farah and Salvor that is mentioned and Rowan seems to be a little bit um, grateful that Farah's dead because he chose joining up with Salvor instead of Farah because there was no next step to her plan. He was thinking about his daughter. Yeah. Which I think is good. I think Rowan is a better leader for an Akron than Farah. Uh, definitely much less hot-headed, yes. Uh, it's probably better to not lead an entire civilization just on uh, some revenge mission. Mm-hmm. Well, to answer the question about Harry's plan and whether people listen to it, we do get a time skip of several months where we do find out that the Foundation followed through with the plan. Hugo becomes the captain of the Invictus, sets off the solar flare on the far side of the planet. Salvor continues to have her visions of Gale and eventually goes to see her mother and asks her the question that I mentioned earlier about who is the girl from the water planet, which at that point, Mary 
lets her know that she took a seed or an embryo from a controversial donor. And that's when Salvor, who I think has pieced it together a little bit, Mm -hmm. realizes that her mother, her actual biological mother is Gail Dornick and Raish Foss is her father. And she realizes she was living their memories. Yeah. I'm glad to to finally have confirmation that they uh they had a kid. Yeah, I mean you feel bad for Mary here, Salvor's mom, because she's like, Hey, I'm your mother too. I carried you in my womb, you know, and yeah. it's they are both. She's her mother and just like uh Abbas was her father, you know? Yeah. And we also get a little tidbit that Salvor has won in a landslide uh the mayoral the mayoral election. So she is the leader of the foundation now. Who has uh, pretty much shirked her responsibilities because in finding out the news that Gail's her mother, she chooses to go on a solo expedition across the galaxy to reunite with her because she has the haunting suspicion that the reason she's drawn to the stars is because her mother is still out there and is the route to finding out the answers as to why she's different. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> great, uh, great escape here. Were you as upset as I was that Hugo didn't go with her? I was a little upset that he didn't go with her, yeah. Um, I like Hugo. It's hard to not like Hugo. Um, but I mean, I, I, as he says, I guess it's something that she just needs to do herself. Plus, if Hugo went with her, Hugo might be dead. I don't know how many cryopods were on that uh, beggar. Well, my, my whole thing here is that when you say goodbye to somebody... You are, like, when you go on this cross-galaxy journey, this might be a permanent goodbye, my friend. Like, there's no guarantee we're going to see each other again. Yeah. I mean, And they just <laughs> willy-nilly do these goodbyes. Like, you know, you know, they, they seem to be, like, soulmate in love with each other, you know? Yeah. Uh, I just don't buy it. I don't see how you could just continue to say these, you know, these goodbyes like this. And, like, what are you going to find from, from your mom? What is she going to possibly tell you? You get what I'm saying? I don't know. I guess she, You're already she has following some intuition. The plan. She has some, some sort of intuition that's pushing her to go. Something we won't we won't see why, or we won't know. Why not why not Hugo just go to the other room? You know what I mean? Like she is not <laughs> a navigator. Why not just I don't know. For me, it's one of those things like you're needlessly splitting. Like this is stupid, but it's just for the plot of the show. It needs to happen this way. Mm-hmm. But in reality, if this was like if this was your situation. And that was your girl. Like, you're not going to leave her behind. Like, for what? What is the point? Yeah. What is literally the point? There's going to be a lot of alone time on this ship. One person to man this ship, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You have never left the galaxy. You've never flown in space by yourself before. This guy, this is what he does. This isn't even his planet. You're taking his ship? (laughs) Yeah, it was his ship. And now he's left here. You were the mayor. So, what the hell happens there? It's like somebody wins the presidency and they just like leave to the moon. I mean, you know, I feel like Hugo might might become the next mayor. I mean, he seems like the... Uh, Is he not dead? We get a 138 well, year time skip I think he's dead. This. Unless he can live 138 years and still look as great as he does at whatever age he is, 30, 40. I'm just not putting myself in a cryopod for indefinite, an indefinite period of time based on my intuition like forget that bro like look i'll have to be knocked out and placed in the cryopod to be set in this you know what i mean well yeah again everyone you know living forever in this pod asleep 
not able to do anything. You're not able to let yourself out. Like that seems t- just terrifying to me. It, everyone you know is dead. Because um, look, unless they miraculously knew you were going in a cryopod, season two they better resolve that. If everyone's dead and we have to start scratch like from blank canvas on everything on season two with brand new everybody, nah. Well, we'll see. I'm wondering if season two is going to be more of like a split time journey where we get like I hope not. one timeline from from this point where you know. Harry just showed up on the found uh, at the foundation, and have something going on with uh, Salvor and Gale. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just we're now attached to this Emperor Day. So now, when we do the 138 year time skip, I would assume all three of these emperors are dead by now. Okay, when you do yeah. 138 years, so now you got three from scratch, new emperors. How many defects do they have now? When we find out that the like they there will never be a, a pure Cleon the first clone again, mm-hmm. uh, how different are they? We'll find that out. But I was really enjoying the character development of this version of Emperor Day. I was enjoying these these cast of characters. I, if we do get the split timeline, it may be pretty confusing. It may be harder to be grounded in the present in terms of feeling invested when you know what happens. Um, yeah. We get, a, I think, a line in this episode from Gail who says, this is my history. You know? Mm-hmm. She says something to those lines, which is also goes to the whole, I don't like the Gail narrations. I don't think, like, I want that character grounded in the present. I want her more in reality. I don't want to know that she lives till the end. When it seems like she lives to the end in, in whatever capacity you want, like, this is a retelling of history. And so it feels like everything happening, like Gail already knows what's going to happen. Not in the timeline we're seeing, but through the narrations guiding yeah. every single episode. Well, if I missed that line if she did say it. But if she did and you take that at face value based on the, the speech that we got at the beginning of the episode from Harry, does that not mean that Gail wins? Gail is the victor in the end? Like, if, if this is her history and the winner is the one that gets to write history, it kind of feels that way to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I take it as. It's, you know, we'll see. Back on Trantor, Don is taken to his brothers by Demerzel, where Dusk is vehemently against this whole idea of sparing Don uh, to the point where he strikes Day on the face. Like, he is willing to fight Day and pretty much uh, get rid of him in order to stop this plan of having Don spared. Yeah. At which point, Demerzel, who is hard-coded to serve the Empire, lies to Don's face and says, I will not let them kill you. Before she respectfully twists his neck viciously and uh, kills him herself. Yeah, she's a great assassin, right? Um, At least it was quick. Horrifying. Horrifying. Yeah, it was. I... I probably would have preferred that than had to have watched Don like walk to his death in the tractor beam or whatever we want to call that yeah. obliteration device. But yeah, I mean, she she's bound to serve the Cleonic dynasty, I believe is the way that she put it. And that is, the I, I'm assuming, what would be the pure clones of Cleon the First. And so I'm kind of curious to see 
how this is going to play out. If we're going to get anything in the next season about this, you know, well, hey, they're not pure anymore. So what does Demerzel do? Does she like have to go on a rampage and like try and wipe everyone out or, or what? Did you feel that it was a little bit too personal regarding her action to kill uh, Don? Personal in what way? The look she gives Day when she's overlooking him and he's grieving over the death of Don. Hmm. I don't know. I, I'm 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 really not sure how to take it. I, I just I feel like she's doing what she's programmed to do and trying to to make the best decision for the for the dynasty, for the for the clones. Um Little does she know that that day is also corrupt. Well, that's what I was going to get to next is that it turns out that this decision to kill Don was all for naught because all three of them, as far as we know, are imperfect clones. They are not pure Cleon the First clones, according to the Shadow Master, which I love that title, by the way. It's a great title. I don't know if Dusk is an impure clone, though. Did Is he? I think I think it was mostly Don and Day. I have a feeling that Dusk is included in that. That would be funny to see his reaction once he found that out, man. <laughs> well, it's like he hates Don through every with every fiber of his being. Yeah. Right? Yet this was not Don's choice to be um like what's the word I'm looking for? Um I'm, altered in yeah. this way, you know, to have these you know disabilities to be colorblind like He's looking at the painting with the of the Gilly Raptors with such hatred. Yeah. That it just he is by far the least likable of all of the of the brothers, but he is insistent that the only way to protect this empire is to keep purity in it and it seems to be done with at this point. If the downfall of the empire is is hard coded in here, that maybe the pure Cleon um these non-pure Cleon clones is the first step towards um some sort of disunity or some weakness on the inside. I would. I kind of wonder if this, uh, I guess, deviation in these clones uh, is something that is is more harmful to the empire, or if in the end, it's is it could it be better for them? Right? Like, could could Harry's idea of their, I guess, their downfall be because they did never change, and because they never changed, they changed, they never adapted to. Uh, you know anything different in the universe? Maybe now they will. I mean, brother, did you notice Day that took a trip Demerzel? Uh, you know, what? like if you rewind ten seconds, you'll see when Day looks up at Demerzel, she gives like this very sassy. You got to do another ten seconds. Look at her body language when Day looks up at her, and look at her face and the way her body reacts to him. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost in disdain. Like she is not pleased with him there is something a little personal between the two of them and i'm always wondering a little bit just how robotic demerzel is and how if she's also not the same way the clones mm -hmm. are going and straying from cleon the first is she not also finding sentience over these 12 generations or 13 generations that she's also i don't know part of. i mean i again like i'm really Harry, curious to see what happens as she finds out what's what's really up because if, if she killed Don over just being impure Harry mentions that consciousness takes a while to form in the vault mm -hmm. 
maybe it takes longer for a robot to form it, you know. Um, I was disappointed because, you know, it felt like almost like that was going to be the way to save the Empire was for Day to show this empathy towards Don. You know, as he said, like a soul that stagnates is not a soul or something like that. Yeah. You know, and that this was the time to bend a little bit, right? Yep. And it felt like that was taken from him. So it feels almost like the Empire is doomed because even when they try to do good, it's taken away from them, right? Yeah. This is the first time that I feel like we've actually seen Day have some sort of emotion as well. By the way, he was correct in doing so because we find out shortly after from the Shadow Master that he's not a pure clone and it seems that Dusk isn't either because they can't they can't quite figure out when the Cleon the First um or like where they derive all of their clone material from mm-hmm. when that was altered. They can't they they're testing Dusk is what they say. They're testing him still. Yeah. So they Dusk obviously knows about it. And it's gonna be a big giant I told you so moment because you made this you made um you didn't make Day kill him, but you killed Don against the, his wishes when he is the one who's in power. Mm-hmm. Right? So they made a uh like a unilateral decision to surpass his decision. Yeah. And you wonder how that plays out because he's pissed. He goes so far as to smash, it seems he's smashing the Cleon the first clone, which I don't know where that leaves the rest of the clones moving forward. Yeah, me me neither. You know, uh from earlier on, like episodes one and two of the season, uh, I had I had made a, a comment about how it kind of looked like as you continue down this lineage or what, how, the, these different generations of, of these clones, I, I suppose it did it does kind of look that like they are slowly. Dust doesn't look identical or to be, that guy. Being different. Well, I mean, that guy's dead. He's like frozen up in there or something. But <laughs> um, it, it just looked like the clones were kind of maybe evolving in some way or becoming less less strong. Like they, like they slowly start to question things more. And that's kind of why like, I think Dusk might be the last perfect clone though if he was a perfect clone could could you not use him as the core going forward think about the previous dusk zach he would have also been pure and he was asking a lot of questions before he died but that actually brings up a perfect um email from linder he wrote Hey, Mario, way back on the recap for episode three, you made note of Brother Dust commenting just as he was about to be disintegrated, that there was something wrong. He made that statement as he was looking back at a crying baby Don. Given the revelations and genetic tampering given us in episode nine, I have to believe this is what he was referring to. Yeah. We, yeah, we did talk about that. We said that he saw something that was different in this baby. Mm -hmm. So perhaps that Dusk, who knows, maybe... He didn't pick up on it on on Brother Don at that point, which is this Emperor Day. Yeah. So perhaps this is a, a revelation that only came to him in that moment of clarity. But to your point, I think we'll get more I think we'll get more clarity on what you were saying of who is the last unadulterated clone. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Well, we get Demerzel's lovely scene coming up next where I wasn't quite sure what she was going to do. Uh, she always seems to come in here 
to her like little room with this mirror to like repair something on her body but nothing nothing is off why is she what do you think led to this scene where instead of i don't even know what she's doing this is like her makeup you know these knives are like her makeup in a way she she fixes like her skin is what this looks like and i'm not sure what she was like about to do here really before she just literally just goes and rips her face off but i kind of feel like she made maybe she made a move against her programming or against what or or she followed the programming and it was against what she wanted to do which was to not kill him um that's a good one and maybe she's just she's this is her letting out her frustration her her torture of having to do something she doesn't want to do i think that's pretty spot on i think that's pretty spot on time skip 138 years not a small not a small (laughs) one 138 years later, the Blue Drift, Gale is approaching Synax. She's traveled nearly 150 years only to find that her planet is completely engulfed in water, it seems. Yeah. She looks fantastic for being in a cryopod for 138 years, I gotta say. Well, I mean, it's been longer than 138 years, I suppose. Plus I mean, 34. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, it's been almost 200 years that she's been sleeping right which is crazy <laughs> like what what i wrote a few questions down um you know towards the end of this as we get this blue sh- the blue drift time jump here where's hugo which we already kind of asked a little bit earlier i i do think he's dead not just hugo where's what, everybody what has happened uh, or what has the empire been doing for 138 years and what is the state of the foundation or foundations, right? Like there's just, this is such a massive time skip. And you're right. I think like literally everybody that we saw in this season, including their children, are probably dead. Yeah. I mean, they have to be unless they had some sort of notion to do what Gale and Salvor did. Now, I want to ask something here. She's very prepared in this, in this pod. When did she put a canoe? When did she put that canoe in the pod? That's an awesome canoe, by the way. Like, if I could create that and patent that, oh, you just throw this pod in the water. First and foremost, the canoe looks really cool. Yeah. And you can see everything underneath you. It's like That's one why of those glass bottom really, boats. But it's very boat. cool. It yeah. is very cool. It's cool. I think this when did is she like put a, it in the pod? I don't think it's something that she put in. I think I can only believe that these pods, I mean, given that they are meant to be an escape device, not a means of travel or transit mm-hmm. um they're outfitted with things that would help them if you landed in different situations that would be my best guess so if she landed on like a desert planet maybe there's something else there, like a little tent that pops up but um she just she happened to to be here and pull out some very odd looking tube canister and it's just awesome. dump it in the water it's, it's very cool i put literally when did she put the canoe in the pod? I love this canoe, by the way. That's all I put. This canoe is like the highlight of the episode for me. I just I want it. I want it now. I want to take this to the beach. I want to be able to like disassemble it and put it back in that little pod, throw it in the water, take it back out. It's a fantastic invention. Does anything <laughs> exist like this canoe? If anyone has it, please email it to us. I contact soapbox. <laughs> Someone's going to send us like an inflatable raft that's just yeah, made out yeah, of no clear No inflatable plastic. rafts. If it's not in a canister and not assembled in the speed that this one is assembled in, I don't want it. 
Look at this thing. It's, it's incredible. It, it is incredible. It, I thought she the was like taking even out appears. some sort of like core, like some engine or something. But yeah, that's it's a that's fantastically impressive. designed canoe. Can we buy this canoe? Maybe I'll just like buy this canoe. <laughs> no, 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 not that, not with the canister, but just the canoe itself. Oh, Anyways. I, I imagine you'd be able to find something like this that looks like this. Yeah, well. There's also seems to be no recovery time needed because she's been sleeping for 200 years. I haven't seen her eat anything nor drink anything. And she's she's physically fit enough to take this canoe across wherever she's heading. I'm assuming near the coordinates of her neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And um, not only that, but hold her breath underwater for about two minutes and save Salvor, who she sees as this blinking light underwater. Which, you know, is, is pretty incredible, just the the mystery of how Salvor got there. Yeah. How early did she get there? You know, when she got there, was everything still underwater, you know? That's what I was just thinking about. Right. Was she there for the, was for the wave that came? And that's why she went inside the pod, you know? I, so... Gail makes a comment that she had been sleep. she being Salvor, had been sleeping for over a hundred years i believe it was just over a century so that would have been around what roughly 60 years since yeah but salvor is not 60 years old no 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 no. I'm, i'm just saying that that would have been about 60 years after gale initially left Senax, right we're gonna i don't think your math is right on this i think you're really off on this i don't know what it is but i think you're off on it I don't even know how. Why do you think I'm off? Because Salvor doesn't look like she's aged at all. She looks exactly the same age. But yeah, I, because she's been in a pot. What, what I'm what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Well, it's somewhere between thirty and, and sixty something years. You're insinuating that she's been in the pod for less time than Gail has been in transit. A little. What I'm trying not, to. What not I'm, a significant amount. Okay, if it's not a significant amount, then like if it's like five years or whatever, then that's different. But if you're saying 30 years, that's too big of a difference to not visibly, visually see it yeah. on the character. Yeah, and that's what I'm, I'm saying. I, I mean, I, like, I don't know what, uh, you know, jump technology or lack thereof was on the beggar. I don't know how long it took her to travel from uh, Terminus to Synax. I'm assuming it, it was a while, but I'm not 100% sure. Regardless, though, I, I think the time that Salvor got to Synax was probably somewhere, let's just say between like 35 and 60 something years since Gale had left Synax. So I think whatever happened had already happened and that the wave already came and it was already underwater by the time that she got there. That's, that's yeah, my guess. It could just be that she saw how long it was going to take to get to Synax and she put herself in a cryopod and it crashed. Like it didn't open or something. Yeah. You know? And she was stuck in there until this serendipity moment of uh, destiny where her mother finds her really. Mm-hmm. And her mother looks younger than her by like five or 10 years, like physically. Yeah. If you ask me. How trippy would that be, man? You just... It'd be kind of cool, man. I'm not going to lie. Like to meet your parents when they're younger, that would be really awesome. <laughs> I would love that. I, I had this this random image pop in my head when I when we got to the end of this scene here and she's like, I'm your daughter. Um, it was like a reverse Star Wars situation. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking like, what, Vader, what if you just- I am your son. Yeah. What if you just kept doing this 
thing over and over. You could have like 20 generations all the same freaking age living at once. That's crazy. Yeah. Foundation has really heavy uh, interstellar vibes. It feels like it in the score. Mm. Like the way the score goes, it feels like this very optimistic, futuristic score in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know I mentioned Interstellar in the last episode, but it just reminds me of the Hans Zimmer score at certain points, especially the ending here, you know, where Gale saves Salvor. They kind of sit atop this this house that was part of Gale's village that she grew up in. And he she asks her, like, who are you? Like, why are you here? Pretty much. And that's when she finds out that Salvor is her daughter. Yeah. And it leaves us in a very interesting place for season two of where do they go from next? Because now Salvor should have the answers that she that she's looking for, albeit I don't see them as being groundbreaking answers other than Gale letting her know, hey, yeah, I have intuition too. Yeah. You know, um, but they do have the Abraxas cube and they may have a next steps of what to do next. Maybe it's to go to Helicon. Maybe it's, uh, who knows where it, where it is to go next, but I'm assuming the cube will be part of that answer discovery or the next steps. Like a map or something. I mean, we, we've already something. seen it used as, as a key. So that would make sense. You know, I, I think this is just like, yeah, we finally got the team up that we've been, been wanting to see in the season. Um, that said, I kind of wonder not just where we go from here with uh, Salvor and Gale, but also how the hell do we get there? <laughs> We're on a water planet that's completely flooded at this point with no mm. technology, but a cube. Well, this cube is made of the same material as the vault. The coffin is made of the same material as the vault. I wonder what other utilities this cube may have. Mm-hmm. Maybe it can hail a ship. I also do wonder, optimistically speaking, if Raish, if it's possible that Raish is alive still. Because if she had visions of her father and then had visions of her mother, I wonder if that means that Raish could possibly be alive as well. I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like it was pretty... Def- I, feel, I felt like his death was pretty definitive. Um, I mean, he did get blasted out of a... Yeah, but you know, so was Harry. So so was Harry's death, you know. And then we found out he had a pill, and then he put this little thing behind his ear, and you know, until I see a body, it's possible. And I would love it to be true. Look, at some point, somebody has to die in this show. I'm not saying that they're they never will. I'm just saying that Raish, hopefully, is still alive. I think he could add a lot to the story somehow, or maybe Hugo just replaces him entirely. It's possible Hugo replaces them though. I mean, look, I'm with you and I would love to see Raish alive. Like it would be very cool to see some sort of like family team here. We've got uh, Salver, we get Gale, we get Raish all together fighting for the good or I guess for Harry's cause at this point. But I just, I, I'm going to, I don't think it's going to happen. If I had to bet and, and say, you know, it, you know, a, a firm opinion on it, it's just, it's not going to happen. Well, we should, speaking of bets, we should have some wagers uh, for season two of the foundation coming up soon. So we got to put our brains together. But that's the end of the recap for episode 10. Let's get into the categories quick and let's move on, sir. Let's right. get into season two. Let's move forward. We will officially be with all the other listeners out there having not seen any of season two. And we can be as ignorant as we want about the events <laughs> of season two. And uh, it's coming to you in a few short years, 138. I look forward to the future of ignorance. 
of this podcast. Same here. I'm, I'm excited to, to truly watch for yes. the first time again. Yes, yes. Um, okay. To truly so, feel something again. It's quite yeah. a burden to not be allowed to have a burden, Zach. Oh, yeah, I know. It hurts so much. Yeah. All right. Who was your favorite character in this episode? Hmm. I'm going to go Emperor Day. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. I went with Salvor on this one. This this is the first, I think this is the first episode where I kind of like her. Like, mm -hmm. she's growing on me a bit here. Okay. Um, Only took I, a whole season? Just just one whole season. That's about it, yeah. Okay. Um, next category would be best scene in the episode, and I have a feeling ours is the same here. I don't know if it is. <laughs> Mine is Azura's uh, reading of Retribution. Uh, that was my favorite scene. Yeah, I titled it Day Conversing with Azura, but it's it was the whole... I mean, it's not, it wasn't really an interrogation with her or anything like that. I mean, he basically uncuffs her and they go about their, their walk and he gives his little horrible speech. <laughs> the Empire's justice. Yeah. Great justice. All right. Best lines of the episode. I wrote a few down. They just stood out to me. I have a few. You want to go first? I'll go first. I've got I've got like four. You want me to go through all of them? No, you're not allowed four. You get to choose like two. All right, two. You Let's see your favorite. here. Just choose your favorite first, and then you can read the other one after. Okay, I am gonna say my favorite was a rehashing of a line from a previous episode, which is that a soul incapable of change is a soul doomed to stagnation. I like it. Mine was yeah. also by day where he says it's a strange burden not being able to carry a burden or something like that. I thought that was a, <laughs> a unique line. I'd never heard anyone say that before. My second is the line from Hugo, uh, which was, you wanted a clean getaway. I know you too well, Sal. I think it was the kiss in the cheek that did that. Did it. Mm. Yeah. Cheeky. I got the last one from Gail. She says, sometimes you leap. And sometimes someone catches you. I like that line. Yeah. That's a good one. I don't like the flip side of it. Sometimes you fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe, that, maybe that's the... I mean, they're both leaping, right? So the empire falls and they, they were caught. All right. Anything else? That is our categories for this episode. Thank you all for joining us on this great journey through Foundation Season 1. We hope you enjoyed our coverage of it. We enjoyed providing this commentary for you and we look forward to diving into season two premiering on july 14th aka this friday aka two days from now we're going to be doing a trailer breakdown very soon we're actually going to do that now actually as soon as we mm -hmm. uh, end this podcast recording and we're going to be breaking down the trailer and kind of talking about some predictions for season two maybe or where we think the characters are leading off here and then we will see you for our instant reaction of season two episode one of the foundation which you can expect either thursday night or friday morning early so yep thank you all for tuning in please reach out to us with your emails your theories for season two and you will hear them on the next episode or the first deep dive episode of our coverage on that and if you want to hear some of our other shows we just wrapped up our coverage of silo season one which was terrific it was top of the apple charts for a while there and seems to have really 
you know, struck a chord with a lot of people out there. Yeah. We're also doing Black Mirror Season 6 and Hijack, also on Apple TV, starring Idris Elba. So thank you all once again. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe to the show, leave your five-star ratings there. We want five. Five stars, guys. Five stars only, please. Please. <laughs> and then for you all... For all you all out there on YouTube, uh, we see that like only 12% of the people who watch our videos are subscribed to our channel. The other 80-something or 90-something percent of you out there, hit the subscribe button. It helps a lot. You know, we're an <laughs> independently owned podcast network, and we're trying to grow something uh, unique here. So thank you all. As always, without you, this wouldn't be possible. So thank you, and uh, we will see you on Foundation Season 2. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Foundation by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We are on YouTube, as Mario mentioned, so be sure to take a look at us there at Soapbox Podcast Network. We've got different playlists for the different shows we've been covering. You can visit our website at soapbox.house, email us at contact at soapbox.house, and again, there is a link in the description below to sign up for our newsletter. Hope to see you there. Peace. Peace.